Hey guys, thank you. You're here tuning in to Cargo Margo, the place where we talk about all things supply chain, entrepreneurship, and sales. Today, I have a special guest, super excited to talk to Mason about, and he's a pro at this, account-based marketing. And we're really going to dive deep into that and what that means currently in 2023. I almost said 2022. So everyone give a warm welcome to Mason and let us know where you're tuning in from. Super excited to see you. Hey, Mason. Hey, Margo. It is a pleasure to be here. I am tuning in from Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, and anybody that ever sees me in any kind of a video format, I've got maps of my life behind me. So if you ever are curious as to what the maps mean, always feel free to shoot me a DM on LinkedIn. I'm happy to share. I'm obsessed because I'm like a map junkie. So typically I'm streaming in from Long Beach at my corporate headquarters, but today I'm here in Redondo Beach at my home. So I, I appreciate those maps. That's pretty cool. So at you know, it's a wild time to be in marketing and being sales, you know, post pandemic. And even just like it's 2023, there's so many changes that have happened and are happening. And tell me, you know, you say that you're really attacking this by account based marketing. And, you know, we spoke earlier in the green room and you said a little bit about the journey, the time it took, but you know, let's start with how do you define account based marketing? Yeah. So account-based marketing is a focused B2B growth strategy that aligns marketing and sales around a set of shared target accounts. So there's some jargon in there that I want to go ahead and unpack for a moment. Uh, when we talk about account-based marketing, it's a focused B2B growth strategy. So to be clear, this is actually not a marketing strategy. It is really more of a marketing and sales collective strategy. Um, and also, if you're familiar with account-based marketing, you've also likely seen this rise of this concept of account-based experience. So we're not only talking about marketing and sales, but also long-term customer support and customer success. And the other piece that's some jargon in there is a set of shared target accounts. So typically when we think about marketing, we're thinking we're trying to engage as many eyeballs as possible and get hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people to engage with our content. So we can inevitably invite them into a funnel and have a shakeout where 1% actually turn into conversations for sales. It's highly inefficient and it doesn't actually reflect how people want to buy. And realistically, most B2B organizations that I speak with don't need hundreds of thousands of deals. They need like hundreds. Some of them need 50. So instead of going after hundreds of thousands, why don't we go after hundreds? And again, actually reflect these are the best fit potential customers that have the highest propensity to buy, that are the most likely to stay with us for decades to come. Let's focus all of our efforts on actually engaging those specific accounts. So that's account-based marketing in a nutshell. You know, you mentioned a couple things that I think are very interesting. You said, you know, mindset, shared collaboration. So the shared, which I think of collaboration, you know, with sales. So how do you, do you work with sales on a regular basis? Cause to me, you know, sales and marketing is like a love story. They have to yep. have a harmonious, healthy relationship. Otherwise, you know, customers feel and see it. So, and then you mentioned niche. So if you could kind of, you know, maybe expound on those items, you know, I yeah. think our audience would appreciate it. So starting with the collaboration between marketing and sales, realistically, again, this is marketing providing great personalized content and 
creating ways in which we can actually engage these specific accounts, whether that be through targeted advertising, whether that be through email campaigns, direct mail, some of these marketing channels, while also having your dedicated reps that are saying, okay, these are the named accounts that I'm going after. And again, they are then actually working with marketing to actually create this personalized customer journey where sales understands, okay, what touch points has this account experienced? What touch points has marketing already sent towards this person? What did they engage with? And then how do I follow up with how marketing's already started these engagements with even more personalized, more tailored, heavier researched um, messaging and collateral? So again, it's not marketing's doing their thing, just kind of spamming emails and spamming ads and sales is completely unaware of what's happening. It's the recognition that from the buyer's perspective, they're engaging with the same company. They don't really care if it's marketing or sales. They need a cohesive journey that is the same message from beginning to end. So that when they are invited into a proper sales process, sales actually knows what to talk about. Sales knows what's already been educated on. Sales can then actually engage and pick up the conversation where marketing has left it off versus coming in typically completely blind and having to start from scratch. Messaging, so important, whether it's a phone call, email, collateral, how do you compose your messaging? <clears throat> what do you think is beneficial? Maybe like three things that people yeah. should include or even, you know what, exclude from their messaging. So for starters, there needs to be the recognition that your customers are on a journey. And again, I feel like that's a little bit cliche sometimes, but to expand on that, I'm a big fan of this concept of story brand. That is a messaging framework that talks about how do we invite the customers into this journey? Because Margo, I'll give you as an example, you woke up this morning and you viewed life through your own eyes. You knew you had this meeting on the calendar to record a podcast episode with Mason Cosby, but you are on your own journey building this podcast. So again, from your perspective, your goal for this podcast episode is free is to get great content for your audience so that we can build your authority, build up the podcast, get more listeners. Like you have your own objectives. That's, hey, that's, can you, oh my gosh, I want you to do my intro. Can you do my intro for the rest of my show? That's awesome. No, I mean, seriously though, like so creative, so curious, like just to be able to kind of like do that quick pitch. I love it. Sorry, I had to interrupt you. No, no, no worries. Um, but, but with that, but yeah, like, inviting into the story, you were saying, you know, part of the journey and I'm keep thinking Hollywood and why, you know, the movie industry does so well, cause it's all storytelling, right? Yes. And if you think about speaking of Hollywood, specifically star Wars, star Wars episode four is the most classic example of the hero's journey. So Luke Skywalker is the hero and Obi-Wan is your guy that's helping Luke become a better um, Jedi and actually make this character transformation. So again, I mention all of this to say most companies talk about themselves and say, we're the best brand. We have the best technology. We have won all these awards that showcase how amazing we are. And the reality is none of it actually talks about your customer. None of it talks about the problem that your customers are experiencing and helping them overcome those problems. So from a messaging perspective, it's not about you. You don't matter. And I hate to say it that bluntly, but you don't matter. What matters is the customer. And actually helping them win the day. Because again, they're looking at this through their eyes. They're saying, I have a problem. I need a solution. Yes or no? Are you the solution? If yes, 
Okay, great, we've got some viable solutions. Let's dig deeper. So again, it's understanding everything from the perspective of the customer so that when you create this messaging, it speaks to their problems where they are today. That's extremely powerful, Ethan, extremely powerful. And let's get kind of into the nitty gritty. So what does your messaging look like? I mean, can you share some of your tips and tricks? And I guess they're not really even tips and tricks. Like you said, it goes back to that mindset, that culture and, you know, journey, authentic self, all these cliche words you mentioned, phrases, you know, it's true, but then there's something to be said for that. Right. And so when it does come to messaging, you don't want to be, you know, I know people are using AI and it's looking, you know, somewhat customizable, but you don't want to just be like this blanket. Hello, good morning. Like, so how do you incorporate your authentic self and part of that journey and your storytelling and your message, right. Into like, you know, an email, are you using a specific format? Uh, If you could dive into that, it'd be great. Absolutely. So thinking about email specifically, and let's, again, this is, let's talk about this from a sales perspective. So you're building out a sales sequence and a a cadence in which you want to email a potential customer every three days. So again, what's the first email? The first email is a problem solution type email. So again, identifying, hey, uh, we'll we'll use you as an example. Hey, Margo, hope you had had a wonderful start to the year. Right now, so many organizations are having massive budget cuts and they need to drive efficiency with the budget that they have remaining. So if you are looking to drive efficient growth at a fraction of the cost, we actually have some solutions. And I just wanted to see, am I off base? Is that something that you're struggling with? So again, recognizing this is the beginning of the year, people are having budget cuts and recognizing the goals haven't gotten smaller. The, the resounding theme for right now is you have to do more with less. So how do we help our clients do that? By providing a solution. So that's the first thing. From there, it would be providing some kind of a testimonial that says, hey, we know a lot of people are struggling with this problem. Here's a company that's a lot like you that also struggled with this problem, but by partnering with us was actually able to overcome that problem. The next team would be what we call a paradigm shift. So again, everybody has preconceived notions. So this idea of, for example, partnering with a marketing agency can be a cost center or um, buying a new piece of technology like X technology is going to be an additional cost that takes a really long time to actually see the value in. And realistically, with budgets under scrutiny, you need a quick time to value. That's why we've really streamlined our onboarding process so that we are seeing time to value and a return on investment within the first two months for most of our clients. So again, we've helped shift the paradigm. And then- Oh, I like that you, I don't know if you've ever listened to anything from Kimberly Slavic. She was a guest on my podcast and she's into Viznostics. And basically it takes, it talks about, you know, you don't want to, you want to build serotonin, not cortisol in your prospect customer's mind. And also, you know, you're mentioning, make it about them, but you're also putting like this timeline in there. Like it's going to happen within two months. And that's part, it's so funny because that's part of her formula and a big thing she writes about because she writes books, but I just, it's, I don't know. I'm sold. (laughs) So as we talk about email, like that, those are some ideas. 
Yeah, but no, you know what I mean? Like you're actually telling a customer, like you're reaching out to them, you're giving them that time that, you know, this is when it's going to go down, planning purposes, whatnot. And it, it just, it makes it so much more real to me, I believe. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, now tell me though, like as far as your messaging, and I know that we spoke earlier, there are some people, and I, I think of a company I worked for, and they thought that social media was just kind of a joke. Uh, you know, emails needed to be structured in a specific way. And I remember feeling like, you know, because I'm very bubbly and I like to use emojis and those sort of things in my text messages and emails. And I, I really peeled back on that a lot. What What is your feeling about using, you know, emojis or maybe like less professional, traditional messaging? Yeah, I don't get replies when I do what I was taught, to be quite frank, because everybody's doing that. So again, the dear Miss Margot, it's been such a pleasure to chat with you this week. I hope you've had a wonderful week. I was just following up to see if you had any updates regarding our proposal. I've never gotten a reply on that. But <laughs> I do get replies when I send funny gifts and when I send funny memes. And to be clear, uh, there, there's a balance here. This is a risk because if you send a meme or a gift that is, you know, somebody sitting with a clock and they die, like that's not, that's not good because that makes it about you. So again, how do you send a gift and a meme but it's actually about the customer and it's actually a, it's funny and it's engaging. So again, I had a, I had a customer, for example, that asked me to follow up and, you know, a couple of weeks went by, they, they never replied. So I ended up sending an Adele gif that said, hello, it's me. Um, I was wondering if after all this time, if you would like to meet. So again, <laughs> but okay but you also mentioned something important this is for our viewers too right because you just don't want to be like shooting these gifts and memes if you don't know the person at all right because there's something about a buyer personality mm -hmm. and so you're obviously because you said asked to follow up so this is someone that you're somewhat warm yes and then you're sending those out but that is flipping hilarious I love it. Go on. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. So to your point, yes, these are warm conversations. These are people that have already been actively in our pipeline. And then from a, from an automation perspective, the only time that I've used any kind of a GIF or a funny was specifically in our re-engagement program in which we're actually asking people to opt out of our database if they didn't want to hear any messages from us. So the final email in this re-engagement program was actually called um, Check Yes or No. And that old country song, Do You Love Me? Do You Want to Be My Friend? If you do... You know, I actually like created marketing messaging that followed those lyrics. And at the end, I think this is how marketing goes. Check yes or no. And I had two check boxes of keep emailing me and like, I never want to hear from you again. And it started with a GIF from the music video that was like the kid getting a note with a checkbox of yes or no. So again, it, everybody has generally somewhat familiar with that song. So again, you can read into it. It's funny. And man, the replies on that were, we actually got a number of customers or potential customers that emailed us after getting that. We're like, we do love you. We just, you know, it's, it's, we've just been busy right now. Like, so again, like to actually then get that outpouring from customers and actually restart some conversations is really, really fun. So again, there's a time and a place. It's not just a standard blanket. Like I would not create templates that are just constantly these funny gifts unless you have a standing relationship. And it's like a re-engagement type template. 
are you using social media? What platforms are you using and how? Yes. So I am super active on LinkedIn. I post on LinkedIn every single day. Um, and specifically for LinkedIn, I think this will be relevant for the audience. I started just by haphazardly having connections. I don't know how, but over the course of my life, when I got serious on LinkedIn, I started with like 1600 connections and followers. And then over the past about year and a half, I've been really, really dedicated to it. And I've grown to just shy of 14,500. Um, so again, there's there's some, some opportunities and growth there. And, and realistically, the way that I use it is I genuinely... Um, just try to be helpful. And again, I know that that's, that's vague. Um, but to give context, like I work at a marketing agency and I sit in a marketing and sales seat. So I market marketing to marketers. So again, my job is very meta. So like I can very actively talk about what I'm learning on a day to day and that's relevant for my audience. So again, I've kind of coined this phrase of learning in public where I just talk about what I'm doing. I talk about what I'm learning. And I, I help people learn from my mistakes and it's candid, it's authentic, it's genuine and it's helpful. So that's how I use it um, to really build relationships and actually try to help others. So thank you. So you're sharing your journey and you're allowing people to kind of really be a part of it. Yes. That is really, really cool. So you mentioned something else earlier that I thought was really important um, when you're working with B2B. How do you, what would be a good like customer profile for you? So typically when you see an organization, what are some areas of improvement that you're able to uh, detect? And I'm asking you this because I know our audience as well as I, we work with these great organizations that have an extensive support system and in marketing internally. But I think like what you mentioned earlier is that you're constantly learning, uh, you're selling marketing to marketers. And so I, I just think that's so difficult. Uh, so what are some things that you see or could easily detect that maybe people have going on and would be a reason to connect with you today? So the, the biggest thing would be alignment between marketing and sales, and then trying to make this transition into an account-focused approach. Um, many marketing teams are completely siloed from sales, so they don't, you know, they pass over the leads, and then that's the end of the, the day. And again, I, I think especially right now, with the way that 2023 is shaping up, we will see a lot of marketing teams celebrate hitting their MQL goals and sales not hitting their revenue goals. And that's just, that's just wrong. Like I should not like we should celebrate together. So again, if if you are a marketing organization that wants to actually be measured on pipeline and revenue, you want to transition from being viewed as a cost center into a growth center. That's what we help with. I'm writing this down. I really like that you're looking at this from the perspective of a growth center. And working with sales cohesively is so important because I'm in front of the customer every day. I just got off another virtual meeting, you know, talking about the state of port services and things that are going on here in LA. But to be able to communicate that and make sure that marketing is supporting, you know, that journey as well is, is really important. So I think, I think that's huge. Now, I just want to ask you a couple kind of more silly you know, yeah. personal questions before we wrap up. Uh, 
What is your biggest pet peeve? This one may get me in trouble. Um, I really, really, unsurprisingly, adore my wife. Think she's the greatest human being on the entire planet. She works from six thirty to three. From six thirty to three thirty. So my pet peeve is when people across the world, because I work in a global company, are like, hey, I know this meeting wasn't scheduled, but this is super urgent, super important. Can you hop on the call right now? It's like six o'clock my time. I'm like, hang out with my wife. I know this is probably important, but she's really important. So that's my biggest pet peeve is when people try to like just tack on another meeting at the very end of the day when I've already like, because I get up and I start work when my wife leaves at 7 a.m. So again, that's my biggest pet peeve. Absolutely. I think time's really important. You can't get that back. And so to be able to respect one's time, it's, it's ideal. And so I would say, no, I share that pet peeve and actually, you know, listening to all of the guests, the brilliant guests that I've had on the show, that's, you know, a number one. And so it'll be interesting to kind of, when we wrap things up, see how all that tallies, but if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life and no, you don't have to cook it. It could be anything that your heart desires. What would that meal be? Yellow curry, yellow Thai curry. I, bringing it back to my wife, my wife actually grew up in Turkey. Um, so she has an incredibly amazing international palate. I was just born in Alabama and raised there my entire life. So I'm essentially a country hick that married this incredibly exotic international woman. And let me tell you, she has just opened my palate to a variety of international food. And Thai is like my favorite thing in the world now. Yum. I'm super basic. I love chicken pad thai a lot. But people say that's kind of like a more basic of all the Thai dishes. But it's really good Thai food. It's, it's super good. Good pick. <laughs> so if you could play one song every time you walked into a room, what would be that song? I know this is a tough one because I feel like mine changes every five minutes. For the pure humor, Careless Whisper. I played saxophone most of my life. So to have that like most iconic saxophone solo whenever I walk in the room would be pretty hilarious. That's super personal too. I like that. Thank you. Okay, here's a biggie. So if you could have coffee or tea or a snack appetizer with anybody living or past, who would it be? I want to think of like some incredible marketer, but realistically, all the people that I want to talk to um, either have a podcast or I've actually already spoken to them because of LinkedIn. So I think I'm going to go like kind of cliche, but if you look at my background, like there's a, there's a Bible, I'm, I'm a Christian. So like, I'd love to talk with Jesus and just like sit down with Jesus, like before he goes to the cross and just kind of like get into his mind. That would be pretty cool. Wow. That's extremely deep. And that would be really interesting. That's a good one. That's a good one. You know, thank you so much for taking time today and, you know, being on this podcast, this wild podcast with me here, you know, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, you shared so much valuable information. Could you tell our audience, you know, the easiest, best way to connect with you so that uh, we yeah. all could stay in touch with you? Age. Um, 
two places. One, LinkedIn. So again, if you just type in Mason Cosby, no R, I am not the kicker for the Green Bay Packers. Um, I'm the only one that typically pops up. Uh, the other place is I do have a podcast of my own. So if you are looking to build your career in marketing, go find the marketing ladder. And I've got over a hundred episodes of just highly skilled marketing leaders talking through how they build their career and then talking to the roles that they're hiring for. That is so cool. That's awesome. I'm going to definitely check that out and start engaging. You know, thank you so much for your time and thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, check out my page to see what's going on next week and we'll all talk soon. Awesome. Thanks, Margot.